Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Welcome, glad you're here tonight, and welcome to all of you who are joining us by live stream. And those of you who are listening by podcast, we welcome you to our One Cause Church service and yeah. to the hearing of the Word of God. Yeah. Um, um, I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of John. Yes, we are in Acts, but we're beginning in John chapter 5. Tonight we are continuing our series on Route 66, and um, everybody just say, God bless Brooke, because she is following me on the fly tonight, so she just needs extra grace. I love you, Brooke. John chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 2, and we're going to read through 9. John chapter 5 and verse 2, as you're turning over that area. Lowell, Pastor Lowell called me today and, and actually initially texted me and said, I'm, I'm, I got a story I want to share with you whenever you, uh, whenever you get a free moment. So after I got through teaching class, I called him back and, and I said, hey, so what's up? Tell me this story. He said, well, he said, I had a friend of mine call me um, the other day. Um, he'd been out deer hunting. As a matter of fact, he took his wife with him. She told him that she wanted to go deer hunting with him, which excited him because he thought, okay, so if I can get my wife excited about deer hunting, that means she'll let me go a whole lot more. This is a possible win-win situation. So he had taught her how to shoot a rifle, and, and so um, she, she, she could handle a gun pretty well. And so he was excited to get her out to the deer lease, and they got out there, and he had two, two deer blinds that they could choose from. So he, knew, he wanted to put her in the deer blind where he had had cameras up, and he had taken a picture of a couple of really nice bucks there. He thought, if I could get her to shoot a really nice buck, then she'll get buck fever, and she'll be hooked. So that I'm good to hunt for many years to come with no complaints from her. So she gets in that blind. He gets her set up, you know, and tells her, you know, the, the deer, I've seen deer come in here, so just do it. So he heads over to his, his blind. He no longer gets in that blind, shuts the door, and hears a gunshot. He's thinking, wow, already? No way. So he runs over toward her blind. He's so excited. Can't wait to see what she shot. And as he's running toward the, her blind, he sees that she's got the gun out the window aiming, and she's yelling this, in this direction. And he looks out where she's, where she's yelling, and there's a man standing out there with a cowboy hat on, looking back at her, and she says, that's my deer. Get away from my deer. That's my deer. And, and finally comes up on her, and, and, and the closer he gets, he sees the man kind of got his you know, hands up in the air, and she says, that's my deer. Get away from my deer. Finally, he hears the cowboy say, that's fine. You can have the deer. Just let me get my saddle off of him first. <laughs> so thank you, Pastor Lowell. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, John chapter 5, verse 2. John chapter 5, verse 2. Pastor Heather, I wanted to say thank you for bringing that word tonight, that specific scripture in Romans chapter 8. It uh, says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, let's all just say the same spirit. All right, now that same spirit, not a different spirit, the same one that brought him up out of the grave lives in you, dwells in you, the scripture says. So he didn't just come visit once in a while. He moved in. You are his home. You are his home. Okay, John chapter 5, just remember that. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, 
which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in the condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Now, you know, we've studied the book of Acts on this Wednesday night service. We went through the entire book and walked through it basically verse by verse. So you are well acquainted with that book. Um, But tonight we're doing this snapshot of it. And I wanted us to focus on something specific from this book overall. I mean, it's it's a grand, grand book. But I want you to, I want to, you're going to see what I'm doing here in just a moment. Acts chapter 9, verse 32 we're going to start in verse 32, Brooke, and we'll read through 43. Now it happened, now, now, now it came to pass, I should say, as Peter went through all the parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. Uh, there he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Story kind of sounds familiar, right? The other guy was 38 years. This guy was eight years. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Okay, so that's a big that's a big deal. That I mean, think about what that miracle produced. That miracle produced, and everyone who saw that this man who was once paralyzed is now walking around. It says both of them in Sharon and in Lydda turned to the Lord. That's awesome. All right, now go to Mark chapter five, and we'll begin in verse twenty-one. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. It begins like this. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Let's look down to 35 of the same chapter. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and who? John, the brother of James. So now this is one of those special moments for Peter, James, and John. One of those moments where only they get to experience this ministry of Jesus. Okay? Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Then when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, what did he do with the mourners and the ridiculers? He put them all outside. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, that being Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha 
kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Now, go back to Acts chapter 9. We'll begin reading in verse 36. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Now, this is striking to me. From what we just read and what we're about to read. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named who? Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. You know, if I, would, if I were her, I would have had it translated the other way around. If my name was Dorcas, I'd say, I want to translate that to Tabitha. This, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him. What happened at Lydda? Remember, it was the man that had been paralyzed, had been healed. And so the news is already getting out. It's to Joppa, uh, imploring them not to delay in coming to them. Verse 39, then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments with, which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out. Does the story sound familiar? He comes to this house. News comes to him. He gets to the house, just like news came to Jesus. He gets to the house. There are wailers there, there are mourners. He puts them all out. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said what? Tabitha, arise. Jesus said, Talitha kumi, or little girl, arise. One letter away from the exact same thing. Talitha or Tabitha. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand. Remember, Jesus took Talitha, or that little girl, by the hand, pulled her up. Peter, what's Peter doing? He's doing the exact same thing Jesus did. The exact same thing. It's almost like he remembered, I know what to do in this situation. I was there. I was one of the three that got to see this. I know exactly what to do. I remember Jesus saying, these works shall you do and greater. I'll just do exactly what Jesus did. I'll just do it exactly like Jesus did. Did it work? Yeah, it sure did. She sat right up, took her by the hand. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. Now go to Matthew chapter 14 for a moment. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to begin in verse 34. You all right tonight? Matthew chapter 14 and verse 34. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and he begged them that they might only touch the hem of his garment. I wonder where they got this idea. Huh? I reckon that little lady who had been had that issue of blood for 12 years started talking about her miracle. 
And she went about saying, all I said, I just said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And, and that word got out to everyone. You just got to touch his hem. You just got to touch, you touched his hem in your impure condition. Then it sounds like anybody could touch his hem. Because you really, you actually broke the law, lady. You weren't even supposed to be mingling with people. But there you were. And if Jesus, if that healing power went to you, even though you were by the law not meeting the standards, then this is for everybody. And the news must have gotten out because here's the, and they begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. But, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. What worked for that little lady worked for them. Same request. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Let's look at verse 14. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Whoa. This is a bit of a bitter, bigger miracle than Jesus' miracle. They don't even have to touch Peter. All they got to do is get in his shade. Also, a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Just the shadow. Just the shadow. What made Peter so special? Because the scripture says that the scripture says that they saw Peter and John and James and they said these guys are uneducated, they're untrained, so it wasn't their education that got them this ability. Something else. They said they realized they had been with Jesus. They're acting like him. What is it? How are they acting like him? How are they able to do the same things that he did. Remember when Jesus stood up in the temple in Luke chapter 4 and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And he starts saying what the Spirit of the, the anointing would do. That there was a function. The Spirit is upon me so that I can do these things. Acts says it like this, Acts chapter 10, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And Romans says the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells, lives, abides in you. This book of Acts is about that very thing. The Holy Ghost in you, in motion. You shall receive power, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power. The disciples wanted to talk about the kingdom. They wanted to talk theology. They wanted to know, Jesus, when are you coming back and just going to take over? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know those times. Here, I, I need you doing something right here. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to get busy doing stuff. And you're going to do the, the same kinds of things I did. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. So how did they know the Holy Ghost had come? Because they started talking in that funny language. 
speaking in other tongues. And it was from that day forward that they never looked back. These guys died horrible deaths. Staring death in the face, the worst kinds of torment, crucifixion, sawn in two, drawn and quartered. It did not matter. Bring it on, they said. There was something that got on them and in them that completely revolutionized their life. And that was the spirit of the living God. Peter just did what Jesus did. What made him so special? The Spirit of God. That was in him and on him. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, We also, having the same Spirit of faith. Same Spirit as who? The same Spirit of faith as who? Who are we talking about? Who had that Spirit of faith? All those people that you read about in the scriptures who did something marvelous by faith. You read over in Hebrews chapter 11 and you see it. By faith Abraham, by faith Abel, by faith Noah, by faith Joseph, by faith Jacob, by faith Isaac, by faith Sarah. All of them are just like you in this way, that you have the same spirit of faith. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and you have the same spirit of faith. So all you got to do is do now. <laughs> That's all you got to do. You go out and you look for opportunities now. I want you to do something for me. Now. I thought maybe we could just put some of this into action tonight. If you're here tonight and you have, you're suffering in your body in any way, any way, shape, or form, I don't care how small or how large it is, I want you to just stand where you are. Stand where you are. Beautiful. Okay, good. Now, I want, I want you that are close by, somebody that's standing. I want you to just do this. I don't want anybody to pray. I just want you to go put your hand on them. That's it. Just put your hand on them. That's all you got to do. Just put your hand on them. Well, think about this. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, These signs will follow those who believe. And one of those signs is they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now think about how simple that is. Sometimes My upbringing was was a bit wild when it came to church activity. And I appreciate it. But it was like we had to, if we were going to pray for someone to get healed, we were going to get worked up hardcore. I mean, we're going to go... through the rafters, praying in the Holy Ghost, and I mean fervent, loud prayer. But Jesus didn't say that's what would heal the sick. Not here in this place. He just said they shall lay hands. This is just one of those moments where we just simply believe the Word of God and that that same Spirit that was in Him is also in me. That same spirit of faith that was at work in those who did these things is also in me. So I'm just going to put all the weight on the word and just exercise my faith and say, yeah, thank you, Lord. 
That simple. Laying on of hands. Just laying on of hands. Isn't that marvelous? Now, God has given us, you can, you can go back to your seats now. God has given us several ways to receive healing. Now, but I, you know what's interesting here? Over in, over in Acts chapter 19, we, you can read the story about how unusual miracles were done by the hands of Paul. It says that they laid handkerchiefs on his body, and then they would take those handkerchiefs and go find sick people and put that handkerchief on a sick person, and they would be made whole. They would also find somebody that was possessed by a devil, and they'd put that, not that Nathan's possessed, I'm just using him as an example, put that handkerchief on the one that, was, that was, had the unclean spirit, and just putting the handkerchief on him, that the devil would come out. When, when Peter, remember what it said when his shadow crossed him? Two things happened. The sick got healed, and the possessed got delivered. Just by a shadow? So how defeated is the devil? How defeated is he? There's nothing for us to get worked up, freaked out about when it comes to casting the devil out of somebody. If your shadow can cast a devil out, just how much power does he really have? Zero. Zero. Double zero. Zero. Now, let me, I'll just admit to you, I don't like watching demon manifestation. I don't like it one bit. It's ugly, and it is a bit scary to the flesh. It's uncomfortable. Because you see somebody talking, you go, well, that, I see the person, but that ain't them talking. We had, I, one time... Casting the devil out of a lady? I've only done it a number of times, and I, I appreciate it being a low number of times. I mean, I like seeing people delivered. I'm just saying I don't like, I just don't like being around that. I know I've got authority over them. My, as a matter of fact, it was my mother. It was my mother that was casting the devil out of a, a, a lady. And, and a bunch of us pastors, God, this has been how many years ago? It's been 12 years ago, maybe we were, in this, we were in this office, and Dad was teaching us the Word of God. We were downtown McKinney, teaching us the Word of God, and we could hear Mama in there. I mean, she's just laying on me. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. And Dad's like, boy, I feel sorry for that demon in there. <laughs> and we're going along, and here in a little bit, she comes out. She goes, I need somebody to come in here and help me. Dad goes, Eric, go in there and help your mom. I'm like, I don't want to go in there. You got a whole room full of other I don't want to be the guy to do that. No, I'm, yes, sir. So I'm going there, and this lady is, the reason she needed my help is because she, she had the ability, but through this demonic manifestation, to wrap her hands around her throat and cut her own air supply off. And so I was having to help hold her hands back. I mean, as strong as can be. And I, it took everything for me to, and then I would just start Help him cast this devil out, say in Jesus' name. And then she would spit up this, whatever this stuff was, demon juice. I don't know what that stuff was, but it was gross. But the, the interesting thing was is that this lady had a particular speech problem. But when that demon spoke through her, there was no speech impediment at all. 
It was the strangest thing. And I thought, yo, okay, now that demon's well-spoken and she's not usually well-spoken. So this (laughs) this is somebody else talking here. So we spent some time. I think it ended up casting 12 demons out of her. And then she got free. And as soon as that last one was out, she just lifted her hands as she laid down on the floor and began to sing in other tongues. It was one of the sweetest things I'd ever seen in my life. And the anointing was so strong in the room. I learned something that day. It was a real learning lesson for me. That is, those devils, they have to obey us. I don't care how gruesome they sound and how tough they sound or any of They have to go in Jesus' name. They don't have a choice. Isn't that something? And the scripture says over in Colossians that Jesus disarmed the principalities. He completely took their armor away from them. They have nothing except a loud mouth. That's all the devil's got, a loud mouth. That's why it's nothing for us. Our shadows can cast them out. Somebody take a hanky off of you, go throw it on somebody who's got a devil, the devil comes out. Isn't that something? It's amazing. The same, say, say the same spirit. That's what this book of Acts is here for us to understand, the same spirit that was on Jesus, the same spirit of faith that was in those who did great things of faith is on us today. The book of Acts is still in motion right now. All right? We're the next generation of it. So I want to encourage you, do not be afraid and do not cower and do not be silent. When you see a knee, when you see someone who is hurting, someone who is in pain, someone who is sick, someone who is, who is bound up, go set them free. Heal the sick and cast out devils. How about this? You have the ability by the Spirit who's in you to raise the dead. That's nothing for God to do any of that. I just want to remind you of who you are tonight. That's what the book of Acts is here to remind us who we are. Now, it's got extraordinary stories. I mean, we really find our beginning in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. It's the first Gentile convert. Cornelius and all of his house were saved because they heard these words, whoever, to him, all the prophets witness that whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And while Peter was yet speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. As many, wow, now isn't that something? They only heard the gospel. Nobody had prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into their heart. Nobody had answered an altar call. Nobody had been manipulated by the preacher. Y'all know what that looks like, right? I can remember being, and some of you can identify, all right? Some of you can identify. I can remember sitting in church and, and, and hearing the words, you better be sure, you better be sure. And I'm thinking, well, I've asked him like 17 times in my life but the way he says it, I'm not totally sure I am saved. He's making me think I'm not really saved. So that, right? Well, first of all, it's bow your heads, close your eyes, right? And then, and then, then there's, a whole, there's a whole formula to it. Now, I'm talking to you, I want you to raise your hand, you better be sure. And then I always tell a story about someone who didn't give the heart to Jesus, who left church and got hit by a train, and some tragedy, it's always some tragic story to get people kind of scared, thinking, oh, I can't leave here without, I, mean, I could die. So, uh, right, they raise their hand, and then, it, and then, but that's not enough. If you raise your hand, I want you to stand up where you are. Oh, man. But people here know I'm saved, I think. I mean, I've done this before in front of everybody. But then he says those words that I, I don't know what to do because once he throws scripture on me, I kind of have to respond to it. He says, Jesus said, 
If you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. Okay, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. No way. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me. I don't want him to deny me. I'm standing up right now. Okay, I don't care. Okay, yeah, I've been saved. This is my 17th time. All right? Get over it. But I'm not going to hell. And I don't want to have Jesus deny me. Some of y'all been to that church, haven't you? And if, and if he doesn't like, if he doesn't like how many have stood up, there's also another scripture that says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out devils? Now, just because you prophesy, cast out devils, don't mean you're saved. Boom, boom, boom. Here comes a few more. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> All the scripture just taken completely out of context, right? I mean, totally out of context. Boom, 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 boom. Get people to stand up. Now, if you're serious. If you're sincere tonight, and if you're really, really gonna, really gonna make a stand tonight, I want you to come forward now. Oh. Man, it's hard getting saved. Hmm? Everybody comes up. That way, the preacher can go call his friends or get on Twitter and go, We had a full altar today. Now they all feel condemned and guilty, but it's good for them. I'm not saying that's every preacher. I'm just saying that's kind of the norm. And when God has made it so easy for people to come to know him by the hearing of the gospel and then simply believing it. Huh? Why make steps out of it? Why make good news not such good news? What, what a crime. I call it a crime. I think it's a crime and a sham to do that after Jesus did all he could do to make other people think that they can earn it by some kind of work. That takes away from what Jesus did. He did it all. He did all the hard stuff. And made it so easy for us to simply believe on him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that's the precedent-setting moment. That's the first mention of a Gentile coming to Christ. Nobody prayed a prayer. They simply heard. And God said, I'll take you. And he proved it by giving them the gift of the Holy Ghost because they spoke in tongues. And then Peter, when he heard it, he remembered another thing that happened. I know he had to have remembered back earlier when Jesus was still on the earth. And he said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll speak in new tongues. And he said, well, Jesus said, believers speak tongues. They got to be believers. How did that happen? We didn't pray a prayer. Nobody got baptized in water. I mean, our system has just been blown out of the water. Gentiles got saved by simply hearing the gospel and believing. You know what? If it's true then, it's true today. So then as as a Christian, think about this for a moment. The pressure is not on you to get people saved. God doesn't even demand that you go get people saved. He tells us to preach a gospel that saves. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. We simply are messengers. Isn't that glorious? And when you believe in that gospel, what you're really saying is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's everything they need. 
That's it. Praise God. So that, that happened in Acts chapter 10. I mean, that's, a, that's an important scripture. You know what is it's important? We know, well, you've heard me talk about this before, that Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22, and Acts chapter 26, you see Paul's conversion. Three different times in the book of Acts. We understand that that's pretty important then to know that, don't we? It's especially important for us Gentiles because he is the apostle to the Gentiles. But it was important that his testimony get stated three different times. And Luke's the one who's writing it. But there's another one who has their testimony listed three times in the book of Acts. And it happens to be this guy named Cornelius. Just so the Holy Spirit has highlighted that so we all understand how extremely important that conversion was. They're the two greatest conversions in the book of Acts. Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Then Peter goes back to his brothers in Acts chapter 11. And they say, you were hanging out with Gentiles. You better explain yourself. So then Peter explains the entire story again to them. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 15. It's a condensed version of Cornelius' house because they had the big dispute. Well, the, the, Jew, the Jews were saying, yeah, that's fine. The, Jews, the Gentiles can get made righteous by faith, but they have to keep their righteousness by, by being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses. And Peter said, well, wait a second. You guys know that a good while ago, God used me that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. What's he talking about? He's talking about Cornelius' house. Because as far as we know, Peter did not preach to another Gentile. Because Galatians chapter 2, Paul makes it very clear that the same apostleship that was on Peter as an apostle to the circumcised was also on me to the uncircumcised. So then we made a deal right there that James, Peter, and John would go to the Jews and me and Barnabas would go to the Gentiles. So it was set right there. Interesting. Interesting. Those, those two conversions, Paul's and Cornelius's, are key for us to know. But, I mean, there, and as I said, there's a lot of wonderful things. Um, but I want to go to one last place. One last place. Go to Acts chapter 19, if you would. So that we see the difference. In, in, in Acts chapter 2, while you're turning to Acts chapter 19, when we see in Acts chapter 2, they said, Sirs, what, what must we do to be saved? Remember when the Holy Spirit fell on them, and then Peter stood up and started preaching and talked about this Jesus who you crucified, preaching to his Jewish brothers. And they said, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we saw that his gospel, the gospel to the Jews there that was presented to them was to repent and to be water baptized. Remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 again, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now, you have to understand something that Jesus is specifically talking about Jews. The revelation that Gentiles were coming into this was not all the way until Acts chapter 10. When he told the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel, they didn't see Gentiles in that all the world. They, met, they thought all the Jews that were all over the world. That's all they knew. All right? Now look at this. Where are we? Acts chapter 19. Let's start in verse 1. Uh, Paul coming into Ephesus. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so, so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now watch this. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said into John's baptism. Now, do you know what John they're talking about? John the Baptist. So that's why they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit, because the Baptist had taught them. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I had to say I, Anyway. Scratch. Oh, never mind. You can't scratch that. It's live. 
All right. Into, into the... <laughs> ah, I'm just playing. That was fun. I have Baptist friends, by the way. I do. They're good. I always tell them, you know, life will get better for you if you start speaking in tongues. He said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said to John's baptism. So now look, he finds some disciples here, but he's in Ephesus. These are not Jews. These guys have been proselyted, proselytized, I should say, by some of John's disciples. All right? John who baptized and preached the gospel of the kingdom. And what was his gospel? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus preached the very same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right? What, what gospel are they preaching? They're preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which was a gospel to the... Now he says, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Remember, John's preparing the way of the Lord. He's the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And when he saw Jesus, he told the people, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Wow. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, interesting to me, because we believe that baptism really should be a one-time experience, right? I mean, how many times do you bury the dead? These guys were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul comes there and says, uh, we need to redo your baptism. Why? Why do we need to redo the baptism? Paul was there to make a statement for the Gentile church. You don't get saved like the Jews do. You don't. Let me say it like this. We do get saved like the Jews do by faith in Jesus. But that the, the way that we carry out that salvation is quite different. He said, that's not your baptism. That's the baptism for the Jews. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus according to the gospel of Christ. That is, Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That's all. That is your baptism. So they had to be re-baptized because that baptism was not relevant to the Gentile. Wow! Isn't that interesting? So Paul has to make it very clear. Listen, this ain't like one ain't like the other. Their baptism is a baptism of repentance. Your baptism is a baptism of new life. not a Jewish baptism, it's a Christian baptism. So they had to be rebaptized. Now, I have had people ask me, do you think I should get rebaptized? Well, when what was your previous baptism like? I mean, did you have you been water baptized? I recommend that people don't get if they've already been baptized unless, but I understand some got Baptized as a very small child, didn't know what was going on. Now they understand it better. They feel like it's important to them. I, then go for it. But I'm just here to tell you, you've buried the dead. Leave them dead. All right? Believe that that happened. All right? You buried the dead. It's dead and gone. Now you're in, living the new life in Christ. Right? Risen in newness of life. Amen. So uh, let me just encourage you this week, the next few days, maybe from here through Sunday in your Bible reading, just go park in the book of Acts for a while. And I want you to see yourself doing these very same kinds of things. It's the same Spirit. 
that raised Christ from the dead, and it's the same spirit of faith. It's on you and in you. Amen. And let's keep this book going, huh? Let's keep this book going. Let's stand together tonight. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your spirit and the anointing that is in us. Your word says that we have an anointing that abides, that teaches us all things. We understand that anointing that was on Jesus to do great things, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those who are captive. Lord, I thank you now that that is on us today, right here, right now. So that we can be witnesses unto you, God, in the earth. So that signs and wonders will truly follow us because we believe. We believe that we are agents, that we are, we are, we are carriers, I should say, of this anointing. That where we go, your anointing goes. Where we go, your spirit goes. Into this darkness, into this dark world where we go to speak light. Into this sick world where we bring healing and health and wholeness. Into this dead world where we bring life. And thank you, Father God, that your people, they know their God and they are strong and they do exploits in the earth. Thank you, Father God, for this precious gift that you've given us in the person of the Holy Spirit who is there to guide us into all truth, to comfort us, to teach us all things, and, Father God, to flow freely through us. We want you to have your way to us and through us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Even as Isaiah said, Lord, you said, you, had a, you cried out, who will go for us. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Can you say that tonight? Here am I. Send me. Say it again. Here am I. Send me. I'll go, God. I'll say what you need me to say. I'll do what you need me to do. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.